Hello. Hello. How's everyone doing today? Pretty good. Great to be on. What's going on, everybody? We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and DLive. Hi to everybody in the chat. Thanks for joining us. Going to be a good show today. We have Alex Kashuta. Is that how you say it? Yes, approximately. Uh, calling in live from Transylvania. Am I allowed to say that? I guess I should ask first. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, do- it's, your if it's on my Twitter, it's fine. You know, it's, it's a pretty big landmass. Good luck finding me. <laughs> That's why we're having a show a little bit earlier on our time today because of the time difference. Annika, how's it going? You, you've changed up again. I got to say, I, I liked the uh, fireplace with the stockings last time. Well, here, give me just a second. Um, the uh, the fireplace is like right there. So there you get to see yeah. it. Nice. Yeah. So I had to, I had to, I'm still in the process of setting up like my office area. And so I have this 49 inch curved monitor in front of me and I had to set the laptop in front of it. So, 49 yeah. inch, not bad. Yeah. You can run, I think it's like three, three desktops or up to six. You can put like, you can break it into six desktops. So I'll do that in the future so I can read chat and have some not like moving windows around. Yeah, I'd like to get yeah. a third monitor, but I don't know if I have the desk space for it really. I probably could, but it would be crammed. So I'm just looking do with two. Yeah, find a new desk. Yeah, that's, that's what I do. Oh, you don't have space for a new desk? Buy a new house. That's <laughs> like this all this work from home crap. I was working from a relatively small space before, but it was fine because I was never home. And then I think you realize just how small of a place it is when you're there 24 hours a day. So, yeah, first first world problems. Yeah, well, yeah. Now, now what's funny is my place is so big it echoes when you um, rugs, but um, I get my 10,000 steps in a day just walking around the house. More first world problems. Anyway, uh, so the reason I wanted to have Alex on is because. I saw something, somebody tweeted out one of your Substack uh, posts, writings, articles, I guess you would call them. I don't know. Yeah. And it's a blog. Uh, it, blog, yeah, sure. It was the, it was about the rat, what you called the rational to trad pipeline. And the, whoever tweeted it out, they said, you know, check this out. It's worth reading. And I read it and it's really good. I used to write a lot of blog posts myself. I fancy myself a little bit of a writer. When I read your post, I was actually like jealous of just how well written it was. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. Anybody who thinks I'm simping or whatever, go <laughs> in the description. I put a link to the Substack. Go read it for yourself, and then tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, but I, I wanted to to get into this a little bit. So why don't you tell us in your own words for people who haven't read it? What is the rational or rationality to trad pipeline? Yeah, so there's this um, kind of relatively big community online and offline of people who are really interested in rationalism. Um, it's it's a bit of a spinoff from like the old new atheist crowd, people who just thought, okay, now we worship science and now we need a study to prove, you know, anything. And um, essentially, the that, that group is kind of disintegrating a little bit now uh, because people are starting to realize that 
um, yeah, this whole empirical reality that they're trying to, you know, live their lives according to, it, it doesn't exist. So rationality, you know, a rational animal, man as a rational animal is not a really good, um, not a really good model to live your life by. So I've seen a lot of people, myself included, kind of make this move from like pure rationalism where, you know, you're, you're kind of the Reddit tier, I love science, and then you move into more like very specific rationalism, and then you kind of become very philosophical about it. And then you kind of give up because you've, you've just kind of hit your head against the wall so many times that you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not just this, you know, automaton in my flesh prison making rational decisions uh, I'm actually I'm the flesh prison itself this is me I'm, I'm the whole human and I've got constraints that are you know biological they're philosophical and um, a lot of people have uh, gone towards religion you know they've plugged and played things like uh, trad cath you know have become Catholics you know from new atheism um, and there's also um, kind of what what I describe to you as kind of a kind of a post-rationalist uh, traditionalism where you kind of go back to, to traditions, you kind of go back to a more kind of old school lifestyle, obviously depending on what your faith tradition is or your you know background is. And um, kind of, yeah, you just run with that because it um, encodes for a lot of knowledge that yeah, that's just not, that's just not rational. It's kind of just, it's a heuristic. So it's kind of a rule of thumb that people have developed throughout the millennia. Um, and yeah, it's a bit of a plug and play thing that you don't really think about because it has knowledge encoded in it. Yeah, I think th this is a very long winded, but I hope, to, I don't know if it gets the point across. I have a question. Yes. Um, would you be willing to disclose whether or not you have a PhD and what your PhD is in? Oh my God, I am willing to disclose that I do not have a PhD. Um, or a master's or any, like uh, kind of, well, it says you're highly credentialed and you clearly know what you're talking about. Either you're a really big thinker. It's a joke, it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, seem, you seem more science educated. I have a master of a master's in science, a master of science, but I'm, I'm an economist. It doesn't really have anything to do with what I'm interested in. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, it's, you know, one of those degrees that, you know, it, it was essentially kind of a farm for consulting that I went to. Uh, so it was kind of for McKinsey and stuff. I never really used my degree that much. So. Yeah. What, going back to what you're saying, it's interesting to me. I feel like I've gone that way a little bit, but I am still really drawn to sort of trying to like make empirical, like, like or logical, I should say. Like I'm, I'm always trying to like formulate my thoughts and beliefs in a way that I can logically defend. And uh, I've been lately, I've been drawn to the idea of natural law as a way for to try to defend it. So I'll, I'll, what I've done is I basically said, here's what I think makes a good life. And it's stuff like having a family, having a community, having, you know, virtue, uh, some kind of work or some kind of like productive thing that you get fulfillment from and all like all these sorts of things. And then I shape my morality around what targets you towards that. So then I can say like, well, you know, whatever, like having sex with a corpse is immoral because it's not going to help you in any way get to those things, basically. What do you think about something like that? Yeah. yeah. The, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, natural law is essentially kind of, in a way, is it's a it's a facet of trad. Obviously, trad has all sorts of interpretations. People think that that's like you know, women in dresses and cottagecore and things like that. But yeah. it's essentially kind of defaulting to natural law to you know things like virtue ethics, where you kind of build yourself to be uh, you know the kind of person that would be moral. Um, there's all sorts of facets to it, but I think you know this is kind of another way of looking at it, and I think it's a pretty similar point of view. I think um, I I always thought when I was younger, like a teenager in early 20s, I always kind of, I always felt proud of the fact that I thought that I was logical and not emotional. And that's where like the atheism, whatever came from. And then I think as I got older, I started to realize much like what uh, LP was saying, is that humans are emotional creatures. So anything that causes us to grieve, you can't say don't cry because your dog died. That's not logical. It's not logical, but th we're humans. We need to grieve. Um, there's a lot of things that I've come to the realization of um, that, well, like love, love is irrational, but that doesn't make it not, I mean, there's science behind it. So I think realizing that like so many things are controlled, sorry, it's, I'm, I'm in a thunderstorm right now. So if you hear anything, um, but realizing that so many things are based on like our hormones, like you can change people's sexual orientation using hormones, that we are these chemical beings and electrical impulses. And that is scientific, even though it's also emotional. So you can do something for someone that's based completely on irrational, you know, some irrational reason, but there's still logic behind it. Like what he was saying, if you think of it, like what is best for our entire community, even if it's not best for me as an individual, if it's gonna have a, a like an exponential benefit to everyone, then let me do it. Sort of, I guess you could say like taxes or such, or say if we have disabled people, we need to take care of them. Um, and so I think finding that balance, finding where you're emotional and where you're logical, and I'm using these as if they're a juxtaposition of one another, but I, I don't think they're opposites, but we use them as opposites in our, in our everyday language. So I don't know, yeah. does that make sense? <laughs> But yeah. I think for me, it's more like I've come as I've gotten older, especially on sex wars. Like the more we talk about this stuff, I realize, oh, we are crazy emotional creatures and we need to accept that and we need to do what's best and not always be logic. Oh, it's logic. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just so, so many kind of subtle ways of, of knowing things, you know, you know, you talk about intuition and there are things that are kind of emergent from your sense organs. It's not just something that you see and you perceive as a rational being. Like I've seen this, I can codify it, but maybe you, you know, you intuit things, which essentially just means you get like very subtle inputs and then you extrapolate from that and make a decision that's kind of subconscious, but it's still a really good decision. And it's still based on inputs that you're getting from your surroundings and your knowledge about things, but it's not it's not controlled by the rational, you know, the rider of the of your brain, the the little man behind your eyes that you you think you are, and that gives you the illusion that you're in control. Um, but it's still a way of knowing, and there's so many things like that that you know are not you know strictly rational, but they still work, and they're still very much human. I think what Annika, who you're kind of referring to, maybe and so is sort of like all the way back to like the vegan gains thing with like him, his wife doing sex work and us trying to say, well, that's not dignified. And then this him trying to have this logical argument about, well, what is dignity even? How do you define that, this and that? Now I noticed Alex, you recently, you wrote about sex work on yourself. I haven't read that one, but can you maybe give us a little bit of a, of a summary of what's what's going on there? What you, I think you're, you're basically, argument is that sex work is not 
work or something along? Can, why, why don't you give us our, uh, a rundown <laughs> on the whole sex work thing? Yeah. So obviously now there's there's been quite a lot of discussion about the, the nature of sex work. If it's just like, you know, normal work, if it's, you know, the same as an accountant and why, why should it be special? But I think, you know, we kind of have two big intuitions in our society now about sex that, you know, it's, it's an incredibly, still an incredibly taboo area where, you know, things are heating up like in, in the office, if someone makes, you know, an unsolicited advance, it's completely not okay. And, you know, harassment, the, the definition of harassment is expanding more and more every year, you know, what's what's not acceptable. So sex is kind of even more sacred in this dimension. And then on the other end, we really want to make it not sacred at all. We want to make it like, you know, going to get a back rub or your know, teeth cleaned by a special sex worker person. Um, the, the issue is you can't really square these sentiments because it's like, for example, if sex work was just work, um, you know, raping someone would be the equivalent of a mugging, but no one would uh, accept this because all of your intuitions are screaming like, no, it, it is completely different. <laughs> that, that, that's a great, simple analogy. Like, I, don't, I can't wait to shove that in someone's face who tells me that sex I, work yeah, is Yeah, I'm, I'm going to use that. Raping is like mugging. Then. I mean, we've had, we've had these same sort of... Um, insights too from time to time like there was this buzzfeed article a while ago where a landlord had offered one of his tenants uh like rent forgiveness in exchange for sex and buzzfeed wrote about this like it was this horrible predatory thing yeah. right and it's like well i thought you people thought that this was work you know yeah, it, was, yeah. it should just be like asking her to mow the lawn or whatever right but obviously yeah. it is not we all know this on some level. yeah and it brings to the surface this whole concept of consent which everyone just talks about now you know consent is super essential but yeah. if, if i can sell my consent for 20 dollars in a parking lot you know how sacred is this you know, this inflection point, if this is where we draw the line, if this is the point of sacredness, uh, consent or non-consent. And, but if you can haggle me into consent, you know, for, for a 20, then, oh, it's fine. And that's work. Uh, but the, the rest of it from that 20 on is rape. Like, I don't know if, if morality is that cut and dry. So. Yeah. By There's the way, we, the we have a sex worker on the D live chat right now who is saying uh -oh. sex work is real work, sweeties. Take my taxes. It's work. Sex is entertainment like any other activity. Tell me which entertainment isn't work. I, I'm not saying that it's not laborious. I'm not saying that you can't break a sweat while having sex. I'm not saying that you can't, I, that there's no value in sex. That's the thing is I think that they, they like to kind of, uh, by they, I mean the people who are in support of sex work. Um, I don't think that it should be illegalized necessarily because I don't really know where I fall on that. But you, I can't sign a contract. I can't sell you my home while under duress. I can't get, I can't put myself in a position where I'm making a legal contract, especially something like giving your body because the body is the only thing that you actually have that's only, that's yours. Um, and so if I'm not allowed to, just give something away under duress, then why can I do that as a sex worker? And the other thing is, one of the problems is uh, with, with human trafficking um, is that human trafficking, traffickers, they want the girl to give, in most cases, they want the girl to give the impression that it's that they're in charge of their body. I'm just paying for college. And in reality, she might not have been kidnapped and she's not being sold on the street corner, but in a lot of cases, a lot of sex workers, it's not consensual in the 
like if you get drunk and somebody has sex with you, even though you said yes, we consider that sexual assault. Why is a girl who's desperate for her rent money and she's gonna be kicked out on the streets saying yes to sex work, why is that not a form of assault? But in some cases it is, because I've seen leftists argue that that is assault. So anyway, my whole thing is they don't have a definition of it. It changes depending on what they want in the moment. Exactly. And there's a huge span of what, what sex works actually means. Because nowadays, you know, selling pictures of, you know, yourself naked is sex work. And that's kind of a very detached kind of, you know, a bit distant form of sex work, but also being a prostitute and a truck stop is sex work. And that is a completely worlds apart. And it, the experience of life for those two women probably is completely different. And I feel like this whole like umbrella term of sex work is a bit of a, you know, they're trying to bring it into kind of like a Marxist revolutionary stance. And these are not like people, the, the prostitutes on the street are not saying, oh, we really need this better PR. We need to call it sex work because prostitution is not elegant enough for us. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, middle-class girls who, you know, want to make a buck on OnlyFans or something. They're trying to rebrand and they're trying to make this into their Marxist revolution because they're the workers, obviously, because it's sex work and they are, you know, trying to, <laughs> trying to put a flag into it. I think the other reason they want to legitimize it in society's eyes is so that they themselves can sleep at night and so that when they go get a boyfriend in a few years, they can say, oh, no, I used to be a sex worker, but that's how I put myself through college, hoping that if society deems this as completely normal and healthy for a young woman to do, that they won't lose work opportunities when they're, you know, the hiring manager at the company that they apply for in a decade doesn't look back and say, Ugh, and I saw you on OnlyFans. Um, so I think that's the biggest reason they want to push for the legitimacy of it. It's not, uh, for for one, they can kind of tell themselves, say, I see the same argument with abortion. Um, I see girls constantly trying to act like, oh, it's just a bunch of snot. And they use words like logic and science. When people say science, science is just, I've, I've kind of weaseled my views and I'm going to call it science. And you see that even with the COVID, people are, People are claiming that they're using science no matter what their opinions are. Yeah, science in a, in a contrary way is just, it just means stop thinking, you know. Yeah, I, it's turning I, into I'm, kind of an incantation. You can't argue it? with me. But like, here, yeah. here's, the, here's the end of the argument, exactly. exactly. So and scientific consensus. Yeah. Like, there's, oh, there is such a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our, our sex worker in D-Live is saying there's an endless supply of weakness of men capitalize on it, which I think might be a good segue into one of the first stories I wanted to look at today. Uh, Twitch, the biggest streaming platform on the internet, has banned the words simp, virgin, and incel. And I mean, this to me is absolutely hilarious. They what banned it in all kind of the times. Well, okay, because so what if so, you self-identify as an incel or a so it, it might be a little bit more nuanced. For the first I heard was that those words were banned. Uh, this got a lot of attention on Twitter, as you would expect. Then, from what I understand, Twitch clarified and said they're not. Those words aren't necessarily banned, but if you use them in a harassing way, then you'll get As banned. a pejorative kind but, of. So, right. So that's what they said. But they, I, there was like a bunch of emotes, which are like emojis or whatever that people use. And 
and the the ones that had the word synth in them or anything any of the band words those are banned full stop so you, right so i mean this is amazing because you know the of course, they're going to try to frame it as like a harassment issue. Like we're creating a safe space where people cannot feel attacked and stuff like that. But there's there's all kinds of words you can use to harass people. Stupid, fat, ugly, etc. They're not banning those. They're banning these words because this is where their bread is buttered on. And because there's a, you know, there's a culture war going on right now. Twitch is basically run by the e-thoughts over there, the girl streamers. And, the, and they, so the, they want to keep the demand up. So they yeah, they're, ma- they're making all this money yeah. off of these guys. The, the, so the this, this term, yeah, this off the Sims. And so this term sip has like risen up yeah. as like a war cry of self-respecting men and women saying to other guys, like, come on, man, what are you doing now? So, there, you know, and, and this goes back to what we've been saying over and over, which is that the way you win a culture war is through shame and taboo and stigma. So uh, I fully support the effort to stigmatize simps, you know, virgins a little bit less so, but th- it's clear that this is this is coming from uh, well, from Twitch in, in the be- sense that we're losing money and the girls are, I'm sure, complaining behind the scenes saying. Hey, you know, simps are, are kings. <laughs> they shouldn't be. Virgin is also a publicly so, traded yeah. company name, so they they can't ban the word. I mean, you could also be talking about alcohol-free uh, uh, mixed drink, yeah, like oh, it's a virgin yeah. cocktail. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. so many other uses for the word virgin outside of um, you know chastity. Yeah, incel also on the ban list. So what what do you guys think of this? I I, I ranted there for a minute, but I think it's just hilarious. Yeah, it's, um, I guess, you know, if you go to a bordello, you know, they wouldn't call you a John or something. (laughs) You know, they don't want to stigmatize their clientele. I think that's probably the the main thing. But it's also super, super wide and super, and like up to interpretation. I think they, you know, like uh, like Annika said, you know, you you can use these words in different ways. Well, also the language language evolves. So like, okay, maybe you could say something that sounds or that means the same thing that we've all accepted and then they're going to ban that word and then they're going to ban that word. Just like how they banned this. They banned um, learn to code, but now learn to code is a thing again because of COVID and that's like a real thing that you can do. So there was a period of time there where Twitter was banning accounts for using hashtag learn to code because it was being used against journalists who were losing their jobs, who had previously, maybe not all of them, but previously there was a push for, um, for like anybody who works, I don't know, blue collar job, I think like in the coal mines or something that lost their job. And journalists were saying things like learn to code being very, Mm -hmm. it's rude. It's rude to say just like, Hey, we're going to pull the rug up from under you you go find a new rug. Yeah, it's also not realistic for certain people. But then the journalists all started getting laid off. And of course, people were saying it to them. So then then people got banned for saying it against journalists. And now there's a whole wave of learn to code again, because there's like learning, there's a STEM camps and such that are popping up because of COVID, like all these, um, like the universities, the online, the MOCs, MMOCs, is offering like developer courses that actually sound really promising. That's like, if somebody wanted to get into 
development, I would check out those new Google courses because they're like short, cheap, and then you can get, they're like basically like the equivalent of a university degree. But the other, the other cheaper. thing is to add to this, since we're giving job advice now, um, <laughs> is that in, <laughs> we're giving career advice to the young people. Um, another thing is keep in mind that with the technology, like programming, there's new new technology emerging every so often. And you don't have to have all the basics. You could start with HTML or C++ or one of those, um, like W3 schools was where I learned a lot of stuff. But um, you can you can start with some basics and you can learn a language as it comes out. And I know when Drupal came out and like jQuery and there was like JavaScript, all of those, there's so many people that latched onto it as soon as the language came out and became professionals in it within a year or two. So. I'm just saying if anybody out there needs a job and you want to work from home and you can at least add those skills um, to, yeah. Yeah, Jogger is actually probably going to be banned now, which is funny. It's, um, <laughs> and there's those words that, so Jogger is a good example. Jogger because it sounds similar and because the person that, where the term originated from, he was out jogging. Um, okay, so last night I was walking across a parking lot and me and Monday were wearing masks. So he said, look out, there's a car behind you. And I go, what? I thought he said carbohydrate because he's wearing a mask and I couldn't hear him. So it's things like that. So now our like joke is like carbohydrate. Like that's like, watch out. It's like, so it's stupid because it's it's a word that already has a meaning, same as jogger. There's like different, different words that are gonna come up. That they're yeah. gonna have to yeah. And then eventually the whole- we're heading dangerously close to the point where it's like they're just going to have carte blanche to ban you if they think that you're thinking the wrong thing, right? <laughs> Which they've already done to certain people, I'm sure. Like like the Stefan Molyneux ban seems like one of the most indefensible things to me. And they kicked him off YouTube and Twitter. And it's like you defy anybody to really point to anything he said that would justify that, you know? But it's just like, well, we know well, what you're thinking. We know what you're trying. And the funny thing is, any any time he's been what they deem as sexist or racist, he pulls up a, a study that's done by like the NIH or something. Like he pulls up an actual legit study, not Breitbart articles. So if they're going to call him a name, they're, they have to call science racist or sciences, which I think that's where we are now. I think science is now officially racist. Do they do they need to show you, do they actually get, need to give you justification? Because I've seen people just completely disappeared, unpersoned, you know, overnight. And, you know, maybe they point you to a tweet, but maybe they don't. And then you're just they gone. Just say, they just say he broke the rules. And here and here's it, the link to our rules, our community guidelines. You know, that's that's it. That's all they tell you. It used to be easier if you had numbers. Like I've seen YouTubers that got their accounts hijacked or just they they dealt with problems. Maybe they're um that uh, there was some guy um who people it, a bunch of his users' accounts got banned. And so because he's so popular, he has millions and millions of followers, he had some pull with YouTube. But now it seems like your numbers don't even matter. Like someone like Molyneux or it, Alex Jones, he can't, you know, Alex Jones can't like sit down with them or Steven Crowder had sat down with them quite a few times and they were like, look, we're trying to work with you. And he's never been racist or sexist. I think the spiciest were his interviews that changed my mind and he was still, he's very respectful. So I think they just shadow ban you and everything at will. 
So exactly. I don't, he's, he's done. He's done. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the scariest part of it. Cause you know, they can, you know, officially just make you disappear or they can just make you unofficially disappear or just, yeah. you know, make you invisible, which is yeah, depressing. Yeah. Okay. He's back. We have to stop talking about him. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to grab another coffee. I, I usually have two cups, and I only had time for one to make mm -hmm. one before the show because I was working out and stuff. Uh, do you guys have any predictions on the the simp Twitch thing? Is this going to stick? Is are the, are people just going to find new words? Is Twitch going to back down and say, you know what, this is a bridge too far? What do you, What do you guys think? I could see if she argue if she um, argues against it because I'm assuming that she makes good money if she's a female Twitch streamer, um, which means they make money off of her being there. Um, depending on the content, if she even if she called someone a simp, I could see if they gave her a warning. And um, <laughs> which one? Uh, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I think that's closer to to you, Alex. You can take this one. Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't India next door to Transylvania? Almost, so stones throw yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. So right. anyway, uh, yeah, my prediction is that if she argues it, they may give her another chance if they haven't had that in place for a long time. Like if well, there's really I mean, no, no more way. to the more to just the policy in general because. Oh. Um, I hope it doesn't stick around because that's stupid. Because those are words that you could use and you're not even, okay, so then then they have to get to the point where they're like trying to ter determine, well, did she call him that? Did she call the group that? Was she talking, was she telling a story? Like now they're gonna have to review, it's gonna take too much time. If you're I mean, like, no, I was quoting someone. My thought is that people will just find new words to replace the band words, right? Which is like kind of what jogger, what you were referencing. Like people will always just find a way to convey the idea. Ban so banning words is just like, a, it's like sticking your finger in the holes of a dam that you're just never gonna win that way, you know? Yeah, but moderation in general is just a nightmare. I mean, you can see that on every platform. There's no really good solution to it. I mean, even now with Pornhub and everything, you know, their solution was to just, you know, <laughs> evacuate what 60% of the site because it was just un unmoderable. Yeah, it's. Well, that is actually the next thing I wanted to talk about. The master. About, so I'm glad card? you mentioned that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oops, I have that loaded up here. So. MasterCard uh, pulled their service from Pornhub, which is something we've seen a lot, but always towards like right-wing dissidents or whatever. A lot of people lose their payment processors, their PayPal accounts, their MasterCard accounts, their Chase, their, their Patreons, whatever it is. Uh, and so this has been one of the driving forces of censorship where they've just said, you know what? You can say whatever you want, but no one's allowed to give you money, basically. And that's after we kick you off all the mainstream yeah. platforms, too. So this is interesting because now MasterCard pulls their service from Pornhub because Pornhub has had problems with underage girls, trafficked girls, you know, all kinds of illegal content being posted because they've had kind of a free-for-all on there. You know, they've, they have a report system and stuff like that, but things will always fall through the cracks. Just like on YouTube, you can find porn and whatnot. Um, 
So MasterCard said, we're, we're not going to let you use our service till you clean this up. Pornhub said, okay, we're going to just get rid of all of this, like, not necessarily amateur content, but like unverified, as you can see. Any Anyone who doesn't have a verified account, so you have to, I don't know, I don't really know a lot about um, the Pornhub verification I, process, but I'm assuming it involves like an ID and um, whatnot. Yeah, and other people, uh, what, Vegan Gains was one of the ones who told us that like there's this really deep, like invasive process that they put you through to get verified on on like OnlyFans. So I presume that Pornhub's the same, at least if you want to accept money, I'm thinking. Um, the other thing, so no, actually their reasoning behind it, from what I understand, has to do with the human trafficking. The CEO of MasterCard is uh, trying to help with this whole like push anti-human trafficking. And I, I know with like, yeah, I know with getting like licensed, you're like, I'm probably in the same industry as you, Alex, um, like with FINRA and the SEC, there's a lot of stipulations on us for uh, verifying that we're not assisting terrorists. You have to check all clients against a known terrorism list, um, criminals in other countries, um, crime, you know, like human trafficking, all of these, all of these industries, these like gray, black industries, they all use legitimate fun, uh, funding source, sorry, legitimate pathways to get their money. Like um, now a lot of them are using Bitcoin and such, but I know that money laundry, money laundering, laundering yeah. money laundering is a big issue. And I think MasterCard, to get back to this part, I think MasterCard is like, okay, there's there's been a lot of underage girls on your platform. You've done very little to get rid of that. There's been um, numerous cases of human trafficking or revenge porn has been uploaded to it. Um, and I think they're like, there's so much bad in this. We just, you guys clearly don't care. So we're going to take away, we don't want to help with that. At least something that's obvious. I know MasterCard is probably being used for crimes all over the place, but if they don't, if they don't know, they can't really stop it. Does that make sense? Like you can't expect them to to close the lid on every single transaction that's illegitimate. I said on Twitter as soon as I saw this, I see this as an absolute win. I know there's people who are going to disagree. I listen to Scott Greer. He has a podcast called Highly Respectable, and he was saying that it. You know, we need to defend free speech like 100%. We need to defend defend Pornhub because if we allow this, if we don't dissent, if we don't push back, then they'll say, well, you didn't care when we pulled Pornhub's payment process and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, for me, there's clearly a difference between like child porn and people saying things that are mean on the internet or whatever. Like that's not yeah. hard to say. But it's, yeah, it's the difference between it kind of being seen as a utility, which is kind of argument that was had with the, with the you know, Facebook and all of this, or it being seen as a kind of a, a publisher or a kind of, kind of cu- a curator of their own payments which is, you know, it just sets a precedent that, you know, I'm, I obviously see this as a win as well. I don't, I think, yeah. you know, that what well, the videos they deleted are probably good to be in the, in the dustbin of history, but the, the precedent is a bit scary because it's, it's not clear, you know, why one makes these decisions. I mean, to me, it's morally justified, obviously it's a win for, for team red, but still it's uh it's not very cool if they do it to, me <laughs> next week because yeah. they didn't like the stream or something. 
Yeah, well, just to but give again, you guys a But again, I'm, and uh, go ahead, just to reiterate, to reiterate what you said earlier, LP, there's a huge difference between someone said something spicy or something that maybe isn't acceptable in the mainstream media's um, eyes um, or says something mean, calls someone a name and like child porn and human trafficking. There's a huge difference. And I think um, for MasterCard and Visa, to do this, they're showing, okay, this is so far out there. Nobody's get like, what are you going to not use visa? How? <laughs> well, like everybody uses visa and MasterCard. So are you not going to accept payments from somebody uh, because they came in with a visa card? I think Amex is the only one that most companies have an issue with it. It's because they have an amazing uh, customer service policy and they will side with the customer on pretty much everything. And that's why a lot of companies don't accept uh, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't see this as a consistency issue or a hypocrisy issue or anything like that. To me, this is a clear distinction. I, if they have underage girls doing pornography on Pornhub, then something should be done about that. That's really pretty straightforward to me. Uh, and then in terms of the type the type of content that's getting lost, you know, the the collateral damage, if you will, the 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 baby that's being thrown out with the proverbial bathwater here. We have a tweet from one of my favorite accounts. Coomer's posting their L's online. This guy, this is a 4chan post. He says, be me, footbag, only attracted to the finest feet, longer toes, slender ankles, smooth soles and skin. Seems to be rare and hard to find. Hardly find fap-worthy material. Create a Pornhub account. Create a collection of the finest feet vids and pics I can find over the years. Proud of my collection. Be me today. Log on to the hub. Pornhub has deleted all, not all, only all the vids I uploaded, but most of my favorites. Lost years worth of searching and finding my feeling when I don't have my exquisite feet collection anymore. I'm going to kill myself. I can't live without my collection. So obviously we don't encourage self-harm here on Sex Wars, but again, I just see the collateral damage is totally acceptable from, from everything that I've seen so far. Yeah, I have a feeling um, this guy will live. Someone actually mentioned TikTok and the scene of underage drug abuse, jailbait, et cetera. That's a weird one. I'm not allowed to have TikTok because my job, I'm not allowed to have it on any of my devices because it's completely, China. it's insecure. Yeah. Because yeah. Cause there's loopholes in it and someone could, they could, <laughs> they could go full matrix on me and hack into all my stuff. But um, the, uh, the things I've seen on TikTok that people put on other, like, you know, the in YouTube, they have like a full of, shit you really don't want to see like the stuff you won't search for so they give it to you anyway on youtube or you guys at least on the mobile app there's like look little videos and they're usually under a minute or two most of those are tiktoks they used to be vines or snapchats things like that that were public um but now they have um now they have the tiktok so i see like the dumbest stuff and a lot of it you can tell the girls are really young like 12 13 14 and they're they're not acting like you'd expect a 12 year old to act. A lot of times they're dressed in a way. And now, now I'm totally boomer because I remember <laughs> when I was 13 and I wore shorts and people were like, oh, you look like a whore. Like, and I'm like, those girls need to cover up. Yeah, but you but didn't they, have broadcasting capacity no, to oh, millions of people. No, and there, there was always context. It's like you're walking across the street to the pool or something. So you're wearing, you know, a bikini top and shorts. It's not, 
it's not like you're hanging out online and boys are giving you uh, lemons or whatever it is that we get. Yeah, but there's there's also kind of a, a bit of a pipeline to OnlyFans from TikTok. I mean, I might be a super boomer that I didn't know about this, but someone told me that, you know, it's it's not uncommon for like these, you know, young girls to just get like, oh, OnlyFans, question mark, or what's your OnlyFans? Uh, and then sure, they, yeah, you know, yeah. get enough of those. And then you think, oh, my God, I'm missing out on making a bank on OnlyFans. And you're like a 17-year-old girl from, you know, a backwater that's really good at dancing to k-pop and the next thing you know you're splayed out on some couch because you think someone will pay you to to get pictures it's uh i don't know it's it's a bit dystopian well i knew i was old when guys on dating sites back in the day would ask me for my instagram and i was like i don't have an instagram <laughs> or like why do you want to see pictures of my cat and everything i eat at lunch <laughs> like yeah so yeah, some people use Instagram to, you know, to do much more full body promotion. So maybe that's what they were expecting. I love Roblox girls. <laughs> yeah, what you said about guys like saying, like pressuring girls into OnlyFans, it's kind of an interesting point. Because um, when you said that, I was thinking of the of something else, which I had heard Brittany Venti talk about, which is that uh, there's actually like, I guess, like an affiliate program on OnlyFans, which is kind of another pernicious aspect where if people can encourage you to sign up through their so link, MLM. then they get a portion of your profits or whatever. They get so to split only the profits with OnlyFans. So there's, there's a lot of women who make videos that will go on YouTube or perhaps TikTok, I don't know, where they'll say, here's my house that I that I bought from, you know, nine, I'm 19 years old and here's my house that I bought from OnlyFans. You know, if you, you got like, you're, why aren't you doing this? Here's the link to sign up, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, so, girls, shit. so girls have that pressure and then they have guys who are just like, you'll make an OnlyFans, like, replying to their tweets yeah but have you seen the the breakdown of you know how what an extreme Pareto distribution it is yeah, to be making how money much they make them. exactly also what? i think most of the girls with a house are completely full of shit having gone through the home buying process they're full of shit they didn't make five hundred thousand on only fans and buy a house overnight that's not how I the think some works. some do, but it's a fraction of a fraction of a top top percent. I mean, there are a few, and but I think the cutoff point to being in the first percentage, I think, is like two thousand dollars a month, which is not or some or something like that. Maybe it's the first or fifth or something like that, but it's quite at the top. It's it's not a lot of money, and you have to be like a top earner to be making two grand a month, uh, which is kind of depressing. Yeah, uh, so, I'm sure some girls are making really good money, um, and most aren't. You know, they that that whole thing kind of goes back to something that I was saying to Andrew Tate on our last time we talked to him, which is that a lot of these guys they kind of like these are perverted dudes we're talking about. A lot of them, and they get off on the idea of like corrupting you. So they love the idea of like talking somebody into. Um, starting an OnlyFans because then it's like you you you've got her to sell her dignity for six dollars or whatever it is and then you're just on to the next one after that that's something that a lot of these girls don't realize is that like once one like that that's a thrill that you can only sell to those dudes one time and once yeah. they got it they're going to move on to the next one in houston they say getting turned out <laughs> are you familiar with that phrase 
Uh, yeah, like I, to, I was saying that. Like I was saying that on uh, on the David Silverman stream. I was like, I, I don't think it's normal for fourteen-year-old girls to be getting turned out by the high school football team, you know. And and our our lovely guest was like, why not? Why not? <laughs> so if we don't have any more stories, I wanted Alex with our last little bit of time. If she could, one of the things you could do is share like where you live, kind of what. Like how traditional are they compared to what you view the the U I guess the US or the the rest of the West? Like what can you compare that? Because I don't think I've really talked to many people, very few. Yeah, from from Romania, Eastern Europe. It's interesting. I mean, I don't really come from a very traditional background, me personally. Um, and it's interesting because the cities uh, around here, and now I, I live in kind of a, a small city here. Um, they're they're quite modern they're quite you know they're quite western um and they kind of are drifting westwards you know more and more with with every year because it's all you know all the multinationals have um oh that's actually a good question i am a volksdeutsche yeah i'm i'm a, an ethnic german so that's a very good question hmm, oh my god this person knows me <laughs> yeah my, my dad was from from one of these german enclaves and that's where the, the name comes from um, but yeah, it's, you know, in rural areas, very traditional, you know, people obviously are not, you know, they haven't really escaped the pull of tradition, but the difference between uh, the village and the city is, is quite huge here. So um, yeah, it's probably more traditional than any any place in America, but the city's not so much. The, you know, the villages are quite, quite, you know, people still do subsistence farming. They slaughter a pig every Christmas. They, you know, there's there's all sorts of traditions and they're they're quite fun. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of happy that, you know, my kids are going to, you know, still see the remnants of this world. Though I think, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to last for long, unfortunately. Well, if you leave the cities, I've, in my adult life, I've lived pretty much mostly always in a big city, like in the center of the city where it's the dirtiest and the most expensive. And it wasn't until recently, like in the last few weeks that I'm no longer in the city. So it's nice. Um, so I'm like surrounded by trees. But awesome. um, yeah, and I think as much as I've traveled, like I've, you know, I had a vacation home out in the middle of nowhere. So it's very cheap here to have a vacation home if you're like three hours from anyone. Um, but I think for me, it's it's very easy when I'm in the city to think that that's what the world is like. And then I leave the city and I'm like, oh my God, people can breathe. Like people are nice. Strangers open doors for you. It's not crazy and everyone's not neurotic on the road when you leave that city. So I think we should probably have this exodus from the cities with this COVID and with, first off, we'll be further. We're not going to be scrunched up together like bees, but people can buy cheaper land. Like the home I'm in is like a quarter of what it would have cost in the neighborhood I used to live in. Um, and so I think uh, actually much less than a quarter of what it would have been uh, for the same square footage. But anyway, I digress. Uh, my point is that if people want to move into like areas that are less inhabited and kind of build them up, but keep that small town kind of spread out, I think that overall that'll help us psychologically. I think we'll care about our neighbors more. Like if we live in small communities rather than a big city where you pass thousands of people on the sidewalk in a day, like in New York, and you could not, you don't give a shit about any of them. Versus here, like where I live, I'm in a I'm in a neighborhood, 
everybody cares about everybody. We all pay attention to one another's pets and like everybody, you know, everyone looks out for everyone else. And I've only lived here about a month and it's huge difference, but I've never yeah. lived in an area like this. So it's yeah, amazing. but it happens. It, it's actually happening right now. I mean, I, uh, I've, I used to live in London and, you know, until quite recently moved here, moved back to Transylvania in March and, you know, with COVID and everything, but, um, so many people there's like a huge exodus happening from from all the major cities and i think COVID just accelerated it you know people did want to be back home with their families they didn't want to you know maybe divest their you know investment in the big city because it's just yeah it's it you know just living there in like a, a you know a square like a concrete cube for a, a whole year in lockdown is just a just a terrible terrible fate so i think a lot of people just said okay I'm out and uh, they made a good decision because I see quite a lot of people either coming back to Romania or just, you know, moving somewhere rural and trying to start a life because, you know, with, with remote technology, you don't really need to be where, you know, where the office is. It's, yeah. Yeah. So what other, do you have anything that you want to add? I mean, you, you love writing. Okay, so another question for you. Um, what were your biggest influences do you think that like got you to where you are today? Like whether it's philosophy or education or like, what do you think influenced you? LP, just so you know what I was asking. Kind of what influenced you to get you down the path that you're in, do you think most? Sorry, my cat wanted back in. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, well. <laughs> Oh, biggest influences. I mean, there's there's been a lot, but probably just in in kind of the courage to put myself out there. It has to be Jordan Peterson. I really I was a really big Jordan Peterson fangirl just about when the scandal with him started, and I saw a few of his videos, and I was like, man, this guy's got balls of steel. So I'm, you know, I don't know, just kind of following his trajectory, and it kind of made me think, you know, it's it's okay to be, you know, to have opinions, to be out there, and to yeah. It's uh yeah quite an inspiration. Even though I don't always agree with everything he's you know he says or something, and we've kind of, I've kind of diverged from that position a long time ago. But yeah, he's he's definitely an inspirational guy. Definitely like a hero's journey type of type of person. So yeah, for sure. I presume you've gone through a lot of his old lectures. Like, All of them. Okay. <laughs> I, see, I haven't gone through very many, but. I've gone through some of them and I'm always just blown away that he wasn't famous before that happened. It's actually quite sad that, uh, cause we could have used him a lot more. The only, I don't want to say it's a criticism, but the one thing that I don't, that I, I feel he should have handled differently is he won't debate um, ethno-nationalists, like white nationalists, whatever you want to call them. And I think that he could add something to the conversation because he's an empathetic person that he could, come to the conversation and understand the points, the, the correct points that they make without being labeled a racist. And I think that I feel that the only reason he doesn't want to do it, he says it's, I have nothing to say. No, uh, no, he'll never run out of things to say. He's a big brain. Um, I wish he would have debated or at least um, like spoken with interviewed with some of these people because he does that with the LGBT, the trans community. He does it with SJWs. Why not do it with the far right? If he doesn't agree with the far right, why doesn't he sit down ex and explain to them? 
he's he wouldn't lose any fan base because the far right doesn't follow him. They think he's a frog. It's a lot you know? easier to argue with a feminist than it is with like Jared Taylor. You know what I'm saying? That's I think yeah. that's always the problem is that they they're not going to be able to disagree with enough of what somebody like Jared Taylor. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's the same for like Sam Harris. You know why? He, and I, I give props to Sam Harris for talking to Douglas Murray, but it's like if he sits down with Jared Taylor, he's going to have a really hard time disagreeing, especially when he's made similar arguments about Islam, the, where, where it's like you, you're basing this off of data and statistics and stuff like that. It, it becomes this kind of like hornet's nest. You know, we're we're almost walking into the hornet's nest right now, even talking about this on yeah. YouTube. But. but that's that's the thing with like the, the IDW and what they've managed to do is push the Overton window, you know, a little bit to the right, but there's just, just as hard a line between the IDW and what's permissible beyond it as there is between, you know, leftism and the IDW, you know, there's just yeah. quite a, a strict red beaming line that one shall not cross. I also think you have to be big enough and accepted enough. Like there's there's a few people that have done it. Um, I can't think of the guy's name right now, but um, he's British and he's interviewed like white nationalists. He's he, I think he interviewed the KKK or he's talked to people, but the way that he oh, talks to them. Louis Theroux? Yes, yes, yeah. Theroux. Theroux? You say three. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Louis Thoreau. I don't think yeah, Thoreau. I, I think yeah. I don't know. But I don't know um, who you're talking about the documentary. Yeah, yeah but yeah. he's he's talked to a lot of different people. It's not just them. He's talked to people on both sides, but he was so incredibly established. I believe he was with the BBC. Um that and it, the way that they frame it is so that he he's always the good guy. He'll play ignorant sometimes, like, oh, I don't understand. When you know he does. He's he'll like yeah. act like he doesn't know what something means. He's definitely so not a pundit. I think that's his thing. He's yeah. just kind of and he has this this yeah, format. He's just a documentarian. Yeah, right? like uh, a wild he, weekend or something. Yeah, where, but my point is he can go and he can talk to like C CMOs. You know, I don't want to say the word live stream. He can go into prisons and talk to men that are that are put away for crimes against children. Um, and he can talk to those people and without siding with them or even empathizing with them, he can just kind of communicate with those sorts of people and gang members. Um, and I think also he just, he's kind of just a tall dorky British guy. So people don't feel threatened by him. Um, anyway, but the whole point I was making is that if you do it correctly, you can talk to pretty much anybody. Now what the public thinks is different. Cause I had a political podcast for the longest time and I spoke to people on the alt right and people immediately, because I agreed with some of their points, cause some of their points were scientifically correct. Even that's the problem. The left, that's the, the problem is they're going to say things that you can't really disagree with. That's what, that's yeah, what and then, but they made arguments that even the left made, but the left here because they, they had, you know, a different flag or different whatever. They labeled themselves something different. So, um, so for me, being able to talk to like MGTOW or whomever and being able to agree with them on certain points, but then later saying, well, I don't agree with you on this. Of course you get all, I've just, my Twitter would blow up with, oh, you're the alt-right. You talked to this guy or you, you communicated with this person over here and you didn't tell them to F off. So therefore, because if you show any amount of just human decency to people that you're not supposed to agree with, that means you agree with them. So it's, 
Yeah. That, don't give me started. The, the thing with Jordan Peterson as well. I think he was just like ground himself into the ground with so much opposition and so many people, you know, trying to take him down that, you know, he's he's barely alive. So yeah, I think it was just maybe that's why he's not doesn't really want to take on the biggest dragon there is, you know, which would be the Jared Taylors or the Rob, you know, the Spencers to to, you know, mediate that one. I think he wants to set that one out. Um Okay. Uh Putting all that aside, we're we're coming up on time. I have I do have one last thing I was going to show you guys some some classic cringe to end the stream here. I saw this video on Reddit. Uh, I didn't have time to download it, so I'm just going to play it on Reddit here. But uh, I just want to a little preface. I was listening to Face and LMS's recent stream. Who this is an incel that we had on the show and talked to. And he does big incel streams on YouTube and. There was this guy talking about this short guy talking about this like horrible paralyzing fear he has that if he ever gets a girlfriend, some Chad is just going to come along and take the girlfriend away. And I saw this video. Okay, I'll just I'll just play it now. So this guy asked for my number at the bar, and I told him I had a boyfriend, but I would be open to being friends because I'm new to the area and he was like oh okay cool and here's what he messaged me but wait there's more tearing up my heart when I'm with you and when we are apart, I feel it too. And I can't Oh my god, I'm so gonna leave my boyfriend. <laughs> you are putting me, oh, putting me through. I can't That video is 59 seconds long. He also sent me multiple Backstreet Boys songs. Lip syncing, of course. So he, sometimes Chad steals your girl and sometimes Chad just gets made fun of on the internet, I guess. Was his singing serious or was he trying to be funny? Because I, I could a little bit of both. I, I could do that and just I'm clearly being a like I mean, if you met him at a bar, then that's very cringe. I mean, if you have if you know someone and you're kind of like intimate and then he can make fun of I don't know, Backstreet Boys for you or something, but just like like as a cold approach, that is absolutely terrible. I don't know. At least to me, I would think this guy's yeah. nuts. Ha having said all that, if you had a boyfriend and a girl hit on her and he was like, well, I have a girlfriend, but why don't you give me, give me your number? We'll just be friends. <laughs> would you be cool with that? No. I think like, I think like, a lot I don't of know if she's trying to simplify the story for the sake of her TikTok or yeah. whatever, but that's not cool. You, why are you? I think a lot of you making his number full stop. I really think a lot of younger women don't realize. Like we see that as huge red flag. I think a lot of younger women are actually ignorant enough to think, oh, well, he. Oh, I told him I have a boyfriend, so he's not going to try to flirt with me ever again. Because I have a boyfriend, right? Like they, women they're and men actually that ignorant. Alex, where, what's your where do you stand on that question? Mm. Mm, oh God, yeah, this is <laughs> this is a, a tough one. I don't. Let me help you. The answer so. is no. The answer no, is I don't no. Think so. No, I. 
it's it's weird i mean if you're friends in like high school and you know like colleagues and stuff you know you can be kind of friends but like you know best friends having a, a female best friend while you're in a relationship with someone else or married yeah no huge red flag i i don't know i'm i might be betraying my my trad aesthetics here but it's uh no no go for the most part i think unless you know of course, like what she said, like work colleagues and stuff, but People yeah. You've known for a long time for whatever reason. Sure. Yeah, or if you, yeah, you have a, so much in common that you end up having a lot of hobbies together or you worked together or something. I don't, I don't think that there's a, you can't have male or female friends. Also, I think as you get older, it gets easier. Maybe when you're really young and hormones are at their height, that might be hard because if you have male friends, that means you're getting your leg humped all the time. <laughs> no offense to you young men out there. But um, yeah, you know, I, I do agree with the Mike Pence rule, though. I really agree with it. Just for liability's sake, you know, why put yourself, especially a man who is in a, a high up position, like a politician or an artist of some sort, like a musician or um, a guy with just shitloads of money and he's married. I think whether he's married or not, I think it's smart. I've had, I've had job interviews where I knew that there was a woman in there just because the guy didn't want to be in there. I like, I knew it. They do that a lot in corporate America in a, at least here, the, where um, like you don't, you won't usually see a male and a female alone together unless the door is cracked or you know, something like that. So I think it's smart. So. Yeah. All right, well that's, uh, sorry, go, sorry, go ahead, Alex. No, no, I just want to say that it's something that has to be be managed. I think people, you know, ignore it at their peril or then they freak out and, you know, have some weird draconian rule. It's just because no one really wants to say that, you know, there are differences between men and women, there are tensions in the workplace. You know, you can't just, uh, you know, crack down if something happens. You kind of have to think about it in advance and, and set down some ground rules. Men got to be watching their sixes too out here because these these holes will throw a case at you. You know what I'm saying? They'll they'll say you you grabbed them by the water cooler, whatever it is. You gotta you gotta be aware out there, my brothers. Yes, <laughs> probably. Yeah, that's probably good. All be. right, that's that's an hour. That's time. Uh, it's good convo. Uh, you know, thanks so much to our guest, Alex Kashuda. Uh, links in the description. I put your Twitter and your Substack there. Is there I anything? Is there anything else that people should be aware of? Um, not really. I mean, you can find everything from there. All of my you, other. You, do you have a YouTube channel? Yeah, are you gonna? I'm. I'm actually. I'm starting a podcast, but it's just. It's just kind of at at stage zero. I've. I just recorded one episode, so it's going to be called uh, Subversive with Alex Kashuda, and it's going to be on YouTube and all the podcasting things. But yeah, just stay stay tuned. It's not out yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, people nice. can follow you on Twitter, and they'll find your podcast. Exactly. All right, everybody, that's the show. Thanks for watching. Thanks uh, to DLive. I see we made about 36, 37 lemons, which is what about is 37 that? cents. <laughs> I, no, that's I was wrong. Uh, la last week we got a diamond and you said how much? And I was like $10. It's actually $1. <laughs> okay that's better than no lemon hey we're, we're we're not here for the money we're here for the abusive comments in the comments section that we get every week I, don't, I mean i can't speak for annika but that's why i keep coming back
All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks to our lovely guest. And uh, we will have, uh, I will have a new episode of Can't Stop Progress out on DLive tomorrow and the other platforms. Uh, all those links are in the description as well. And uh, that's it. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Bye.